0: Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. God is going to hold us accountable for what we know, not for what we don't know. And that's the important essence of this section of Romans. God will hold you and I accountable for what we know, not what we don't know. It's not like when we come to our son or our daughter and in a discipline, didn't you know? And their answer is, no, Dad, I didn't know. And we go, well, you should have known. And then we go, you know, and whatever we're going to do to them, send them running laps, you know. Go run some laps. How many, Dad? Till the sun goes down, you know, whatever discipline you use. God's not like that. If you don't know, you don't know. But if you do know, you'll be held accountable for what you know.
1: This is amazing grace. This is amazing. believer in Christ is saved by grace through faith, and that alone, we will still be held accountable for what we know. We will stand before the Lord one day, and we'll see what we can expect on today's abounding grace. As you'll soon see, it will look much different than what the unbeliever will experience. Pastor Ed Taylor is in Romans right now, and we plan on covering chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. First, he pays a quick visit to James. When we were studying through the book of James,
0: we came across chapter 2 where James says, don't show partiality. We pick up in verse 1 of James 2, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and have become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my, brother, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him, verse 6. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not their rich oppress you, drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. It's true, isn't it? Partiality so misrepresents the heart of God. To show and be prejudicial towards someone because of the way they look, or because they have tattoos, or because they color their hair, or because they don't wear what you would wear, or it's just there's no place for that in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a wonderful diversity of different backgrounds and different races and differences like you wouldn't believe. But in Jesus Christ, we're made one. We're a family. And Jesus Christ, he died for the whole world. He didn't die for certain people in the world, certain upbringings in the world, the people that had really good upbringings or the people that never made mistakes. Forget about that. To show partiality is a sin. And James says, listen, there's no place for it in the body of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's not the way Jesus lived his life, is it? Jesus didn't live his life like that. Everybody that came to him, Jesus received. Now, of course, some he was harder than others. If you were a religious hypocrite, you could expect from Jesus to hear the truth and it wouldn't always feel well. But if you were also someone that maybe was sick, maybe you had leprosy, where everyone else would leave you alone, Jesus said, you come to me, I'll, I'll minister to you, I'll touch you. Even if you've got big ugly sores oozing nasty sickness pus I'll receive you because some of you let me let me rephrase that all of us have drawn a line of the kind of people that we'll receive and God is always erasing that line and we're always drawing it again and he's always erasing that line and he'll bring someone into your life and say here you've heard that in church week after week I'm going to show you what that person looks like now what are you going to do like, oh, I've got a line here, Lord. I can't cross that line, you know. That person's on that side of the tracks. I'm on this side of the tracks. And the Lord just rips the tracks out and says, now what are you going to do? So I'm going to trust you, Lord, because I want to love like you love Jesus. I want to love everyone like you loved. I don't want to have in my mind, because of some outward thing, well, I can't, I can't hang out with you. Or I can't share the gospel with you. You know, we've got people that are, seem to be easy to share the gospel with, people that seem to be hard to share the gospel with, but in reality, it's all God doing the work, so everyone's in the same category. You share, God will work, right? Isn't that how it works? You share, you're faithful, I'm faithful, but God, He gives the increase. And as partiality, it's just, I mean, there's no room for it in the body of Jesus Christ. There's no room for it in our hearts. Jesus met people all over the place in all sorts of conditions, from all sorts of backgrounds, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, religious leaders, military people, rich, poor, male, female. It didn't matter. Jesus Christ came to touch every human life. And may we be used to do the same. So why is it that Jesus did not show partiality? Well, of course, one motivation is love. But another motivation is the very character of God, because God himself is not partial. Flip back to Romans chapter 2, as we learn the judgment of God is not with partiality. The judgment of God is not with partiality. And we pick up where we left off in verse 11. There is no partiality with God. For as many have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things contained in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts, accusing Or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now back in verse 2 of chapter 2, remember we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And so that is everyone will be judged righteously and fairly. None of us will disagree with the righteous judgment of God. It will be fair, it will be right, it will be wholly true, and it will be without partiality. And without partiality means that there'll be no one anywhere, there won't be anyone anywhere that will be able to accuse God of being unrighteous or unfair, as many do today. Listen, John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 30, I'll read it to you. Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous. And so, without partiality, what does the word partiality mean in verse 11? You can jot it down. It literally means not being swayed by a person's face, by their outward appearance. Not letting, letting their outward appearance sway a you. With God, our outward appearance doesn't sway him because he knows our inward appearance. He knows everything about us. You know, there are some here today, some listening in by radio that think, I've got a secret, I've got a secret, nobody knows. And then we come to verse 16, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men. There is no secret here. Oh, you might have hid it from me, maybe as the pastor. Or you might have hid it from your spouse, or you might have hid it from your friends, or maybe your boss hasn't found out yet. But let me just say, let me just say right now, it's best to repent right now and reveal that secret than have God reveal it for you, because he will. God reveals, he knows all the secrets of men. There is no secret with man, between man and God. And we kind of confuse the secrets that we have as if we're getting away with it, we're not. And so God's not swayed by what, we see, what he sees outwardly in us because he knows our heart. So that our position in life, where we're at in life, our intelligence, our education, our good works, our good deeds will not sway God's judgment. It will be righteous. All of us will face the righteous judgment of God. You know, for the Jewish reader and listener in the church in Rome, this would absolutely shock them as will many other things in the next couple chapters. Just absolutely blow them away. From the perspective of a Jewish mind in the first century, they believed firmly they were in a special class. I've got a special relationship with God, and the heaviness of what I see in the scrolls and in the Old Testament and the Torah really isn't for me as much as it's for them. God is revealing judgment for them, not necessarily for me. The Jew thought himself in a special class, that he deserves special treatment because he was the chosen of God. But Paul says that the Jewish law only made the guilt of Israel that much greater. And before we kind of settle in as the church and go, well, yeah, I mean, how could they let themselves get into that position? How could they believe they're a special class? Do you know that I've seen that flow through the church? I've seen Christians come to the point where I'm in a special class now and so I can get away with things and I live in the grace of Jesus Christ so I can sin and it's no big deal because I'll be forgiven and I can watch this and I can go here and who cares because I'm a special person. You've deceived yourself. See, on the one hand, there is a neat thing about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was just thinking today during worship, How thankful I am that I can see spiritual things now. Because there was a time in my life where I didn't see anything spiritual. And just thinking, you know, where would I be without you today, Lord? Where would I be? What would these songs even mean to me? They probably wouldn't mean anything to me because I wouldn't care. They'd probably only harden my heart more. But now because I know you and I have a relationship with you and that relationship is growing, it is so cool to know the Lord. But don't ever let that relationship then put you in a place where you think there's special privileges in relation to sin because sin still affects Christians the same way it does non Christians. It always destroys. It always wants to destroy. You start in with just a little bite, a little compromise. And you know what I found? Compromise only makes you hungry for more compromise. When you start feeding the flesh a little morsel, so, your flesh says, Give me more. Give me more. And before you know it, it's no longer flesh, but now it's habit. And no longer is it just battling in the flesh. The flesh less against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. But if you're not careful, Christian, your heart can become so hard, your conscience so, so hard against the things of the Lord, you don't even feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit anymore. And the Lord doesn't want that in our lives. He wants us to be sensitive. And so for the Jewish listener then, for the Christian today, we need to be careful. Judgment is righteous. And notice he says something real interesting here that we need to be careful for with. He says that our judgment, the judgment that we face will be according to our deeds, our works. And then right away we think, wait a minute. No, no, no. I thought we were saved by grace. We are. We're saved by grace through faith. And it's not of works lest any man should boast. But what we do in life will be judged. For the believer, the Bema seed of Jesus Christ is what awaits us. Where our works as Christians will be judged and there'll be a stack, wood, hay, and stubble, burned up, gone. And then there'll be those precious stones that through the fire, they aren't destroyed, but they're refined in our lives. And so it's really important, the works that we've been saved to live in. But this judgment, well, it's according to our deeds, according to our works. And although we just are lived by faith, we're saved by grace through faith. If you're an unbeliever, judgment according to your deeds will be this way. You will be judged by your works. As an unbeliever, you will be judged by your works. So that you might stand there and go, "Well, I'm going to present to God all of my good works. And That's exactly what you'll be judged by, your works. And they won't measure up, friends, to God's holy standard. And that work that will be a final straw that will break your back in eternity will be your rejection of Jesus Christ. Would you hold your places here? Turn over to John real quick here in chapter 3. Just a few pages over to your left. If you're an unbeliever, you'll be judged by your works. And the final work that will break the back will be your rejection of Jesus Christ. And of course, if that's you here listening to my voice, we've been praying for you that today you would settle your salvation with God through his son Jesus Christ by turning from your sin. You might have heard the word repent. It's important that a man repent from his sin, that a woman repent from her sin, turning from sin, turning to Jesus Christ. And before you leave here today, you'll have an opportunity to do just that, to respond to the inner conviction of God's Holy Spirit upon your heart, recognizing that your sin has separated you from God and that through faith and surrender in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. It's amazing. Look at verse 16 now, John chapter 3. Very familiar passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, my friends, is the gospel in a nutshell. I mean that is it. That is the gospel message. Out of love, God sent his son to rescue those of us that are caught in our sin. And if we'll believe in him, you won't perish but have everlasting life. That that's so cool. But verse 17 continues, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, you can live in sin so much, you can do so many things, you can make so many mistakes, and then condemnation sits in, and you think, Well, God could never accept me. God would never want me. Look at my life, look how messed up I am, look how many things I've done. Look, I even have have these desi- I'm sitting in church and I have these desires. How can God ever love me? He does. It's the truth. You know, one of the major places of spiritual warfare is in a assembly like this. <laughs> I just want to hear the Lord, man. And all these weird things are going through your, you know, some of you are so hungry right now that there are visions of eggs and bacon right in your mind right now <laughs> to distract you. Some of you are like, I wish they had breakfast burritos here today. Some of you have got an appointment right after. You've planned your whole day around church, but you've planned it so tight that these clocks appear. I don't know of any pastor that has to put up with clocks behind him, but you guys are looking at the clock and, you know, like, I'm okay right now, but as that thing goes all the way around you know, about 10, you're going to like, hey, you're messing up my schedule. Not to hear the things of the Lord. Some of you forgot to turn your cell phones off. And right in the middle of the message, do, 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 do. do, do you know, and you're like, oh. What's you going to do? Come and get it? And you're real, you know, hiding it. We know who you are. <laughs> and you think of all the things of spiritual warfare to get your mind and attention off the things of the Lord. One of them could just be condemnation because you're so beat up by your beat up life. Sin leads to condemnation. And if it's not taken to the cross, then you're just going to live and float in condemnation. It's going to beat you up really bad. But notice, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. That's not why he was sent. It wasn't to condemn you. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. That's the heart of God. He who believes in him is not condemned. You hear that? We can just pass that over, right? Oh, yeah, I'm just reading through the Bible. But listen. Listen. He who believes in him is not condemned. There is no condemnation, Paul will say in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, for those that are in Christ Jesus. God forgives you of your past. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ. I know consequences kind of linger on for a while. I realize that. But do you know, even though consequences linger on for a while, you're still not condemned, you're released. And even though you might feel some of the pain because of past mistakes today, even though they happened back then, you are free from them. You're no longer living in sin. You're no longer practicing it. And that's good news, to be delivered. It's like, I don't have to live that way anymore. I don't have to go there anymore. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I'll tell you what I am. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Amen? Isn't that what we do? We trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. So verse 19, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. That's heaviness because God is going to hold us accountable for what we know, not for what we don't know. And that's the important essence of this section of Romans. God will hold you and I accountable for what we know, not what we don't know. It's not like when we come to our son or our daughter in discipline, didn't you know? And their answer is, no, dad, I didn't know. And we go, well, you should have known. And then we go, you know, and whatever we're going to do to them, send them running laps, you know, go run some laps. How many, dad? Till the sun goes down, you know, whatever discipline you use. God's not like that. If you don't know, you don't know. But If you do know, you'll be held accountable for what you know. And so we can look at it. Well, I didn't know. But God says here through Paul, he says, you're going to be held accountable for what you know. John talks about Jesus coming. He says in verse 20, everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed, because they haven't lived up to the light that they've been given. If you're an unbeliever today, you will be judged by your works. And the biggest work you'll be judged by is your rejection of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer here today, you also will be judged by a work, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, so that by faith in him, his work covers your sin, covers it all, that by faith in him, you're not condemned, but you're saved. So unbelievers, judge by your own works. Believer, you're judged by Jesus Christ's work. So when they come to Jesus and they say, what must we do to do the works of God? What is Jesus' answer? Believe on him whom he sent. That's the work. Believe. Believe on him whom he sent. The work of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save us, and by faith you are saved. Back to Romans now. Two groups of people. One that has the law, one that doesn't have the law. They receive the same judgment. The one that has the law, they're going to be judged by the law because the law was intended to draw a person to Jesus Christ. The law is intended to show that you are unable, that I am unable to keep it, and that there needs to be a Savior to cover the gap. The law says, look, you can't keep the law. James would tell us, didn't he? If you've fallen in one point of law, you've fallen in all of it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So those that have the law, they're going to be judged by the law. But then in verse 14, the Gentiles who don't have the law, they're going to be judged by what they know, not what they don't know, because their consciences bear witness. Remember, we went through that a few weeks ago. The light of creation, the light of conscience will lead a person to the light of Christ and what they do with the light of Christ will determine their eternal destiny. And so people, you and I, are held to a higher standard because of what we know. God never judges a person by a standard that they haven't known. If a person lived apart from the law, then God will use, not use the law as a standard. But if you've known it, then that will be your standard. And really, whatever we know, will be our standard. Here's the thing for us, gang, as a church a church that's committed to God's word, a church that provides God's word, a church where God's word is in almost everyone's hands and you're reading it and you're studying it. We're committed to studying it from Genesis, from the very beginning to all the way to Revelation. And as long as God will give us time, we'll keep studying it over and over and over because a lot of times people will say, well, what's going to happen, Pastor Ed, when you finish Revelation? We're going to start in Genesis again and go over it one more time. And all the mistakes I made as a young pastor, the Lord will clean it all up, you know? (laughs) He cleans it up along the way, so you can trust the Lord. Don't trust your pastor, trust the Lord, right? You look to man, man's going to let you down. But that's all different Bible studies. So when you're looking at a fellowship like ours that studies God's word, that has a lot of knowledge, here's what happens and here's the danger, you might want to jot it down. Don't ever confuse being in church, hearing God's word with obedience. Okay? Okay? thinking, I was in church today, I that was enough. No, it wasn't enough. I did my devotions this morning, that's enough. No, it wasn't enough. Oh, I heard the Bible study and I heard the radio and I listened to the CD and I downloaded the MP3 and my radio's only on Christian radio. I don't move it at all. It's not enough because it needs to be mixed with faith. And when it's mixed with faith, obedience will follow. It's not enough just to hear the word and to have a lot of knowledge We can't come to the place where, wow, I didn't know. You know, in a church like ours, we study through the word. And so often in biblical counseling, you know what we'll do when you walk in? If the issue has already been addressed from the pulpit, we will point you to the Bible study. And we'll say, we've already touched on this in the scriptures. Were you aware of that Bible? Say, no, I wasn't there. Okay, well, pull it, pull it down off the web or get the CD because we've already talked about this. Because biblical counseling actually takes place right now. The Holy Spirit is counseling you through his word so that many of you will leave here and go, I heard exactly what I wanted or I needed. Maybe not what you wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. And the Holy Spirit was counseling me through the Bible study. And so much of what we do here is in the word trying to convince you, trying to plead with you, trying to bring you to the place where you will do what you hear. So I heard, okay, did you do it? No, I didn't do it. Well, then do it. Well, I don't know if I want to do it. You need to do it. We don't have a choice. Well, I was in Bible study today. Well, did you obey it? I had great devotions, but did you do what God spoke to your heart? Well, I heard you, Pastor Ed. I've heard counsel. I've heard all these people. What are you doing? what the Lord has told you to do. Because we love the scriptures, because we study the scriptures, because we spend so much time in the scriptures and we love the word, it's powerful, it's comforting, it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. We can come to the place where we think, I'm just fine because I heard the Bible. I'm just fine because I came to Bible study. And you know what? It could be that you're not just fine because you're not putting into practice what you hear.
1: Encouraging us to put shoe leather to what we receive from God's Word, that's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Today's study was based on Romans 2. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. We've made it possible to donate online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into Romans tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace.